You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for downloading this week's Attack and Scrum podcast. This week, as Lions Fever starts to build even further, we're only two weeks away now from the start of the tour, we have another one of our Lions Memory specials, and uh, that is part one of this week's podcast. And on that, we're joined by uh, Ollie, who's a regular contributor to the podcast, who's sharing uh, some of his favourite memories as a, as a Lions fan, both watching on TV and uh, following, uh, following the boys out on tour. And we're also joined for the first time by his brother, Greg, who, as well as being a massive Lions fan, uh, found himself at the centre of a tabloid storm last time round in, uh, in 2013. You may remember Curly Beal was, uh, was photographed with a fan rather late one night um, and Greg was the, the fan in question. Now, he's never spoken about this before uh, to anyone. Uh, as you can imagine, the, the tabloids are very quick to draw their own conclusions the last time round. So he very kindly agreed to come on and, uh, and chat to us about it. So hopefully you'll find that a really interesting Lions memory. In part two, we have um, loads coming up uh, with regards to this week's uh, comings and goings from the world of Welsh rugby, concentrating mainly on the Scarlets as they prepare for the uh, the showdown with Munster, uh, namely the, the final of the Pro 12. So we've got an extensive preview on that, plus all the usual roundup look ahead to the Wales tour. Um, so yeah, lots uh, lots coming up over the next um, over the next hour or so. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe as well. It just makes it easier. It also makes it easier for other people to find it as well. So, um, yeah, share it with your mates and let us know what you think either about Scarlet's chances or about your favourite Lions memories. And you can do so by getting in touch on Twitter at Attacking Scrum, by searching for us on Facebook. You can do it via email if you like. Uh, you can email me, jed, at attackingscrum.co.uk. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the show and we look forward to chatting to you soon. Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. This week we have another Lions Memory special. So this is the second one of these that we've done and it's essentially just us having a chat about some of our favourite memories of uh, Lions tours 
from years gone by. Joining me to do that, I've got uh, Ollie Deuce, becoming a bit of a tacking scrum regular on this. Oh, how are you? Not too bad, Gerald. How are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. I like the formality. That's yeah, nice. Good. And uh, and your brother joining us as well, Greg, making his debut on the on the podcast this week. Hi, Greg. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm in shock, actually. I've yeah. just watched Scotland beat England <laughs> in the uh, sevens at Twickenham. I, I'm truly in shock. Yeah, that's uh, that must be absolutely catastrophic. But like you said, as it matters, it's uh, as you it said at the end, matter. it's sevens. It doesn't matter, does it? I did spawn quite an interesting conversation about why we don't play sevens like more like fifteens. You know, why some team doesn't just go out. And it pick. would be good, wouldn't it? Just rolling all yeah. over the place. But if, step one: it. take yeah. your points. Have yeah, someone yeah. in there. Have someone in the side who can take drop goals and take your points at any available option. Um, all the other sides have got athletes in there, so driving more at any given opportunity. Mix it's, it up a bit. I think yeah. like big it. opportunity at the uh, big opportunity of a set piece. I think, yeah, to really dominate in a way that you haven't seen before. Yeah, well, Ollie's suggestion of having three locks on the field, <laughs> I think, was quite good from lifting point of view. So yeah, I think we settled on um, big, big line out game. Metcalf, Scott Murray. Um, I can't remember. There's another. Yeah. Else we there would have been another giant Scottish <laughs> lock from uh, from the early noughties and nineties. I think that would have made a big difference in there. And then three prop. Uh, sorry, two props and a hooker for scrummaging yeah. time. Textbook. Textbook. Yeah. yeah. Number one, are you only allowed, because I never watch seven rugby, are you only allowed to pack down three at the scrum? So can, we call a, yeah, yeah. can we call a six-man scrum? Yeah, six-man <laughs> scrum, which that would be fantastic. Let's give it? it a go. Let's yeah. rewrite the book. And then a really, really kicking uh, yeah. number nine as well. Yeah, we, we talked about a few options there. Um, Sean Perry came up quite high to me. <laughs> was, it, was he Bristol, was he? Uh, yeah, he was yeah. Bristol for, for a while. England England World Cup 07 finalist, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah, I I'm not I don't remember enough about him to to comment on it. Who did we settle on in the end? I, I think we settled on Richard Wigglesworth because yeah, he always he always box, box kicking. Kick yeah. We got three locks on the pitch. Yeah, exactly. And he'll kick for yeah. touch. If you kick for touch and compete at the line out, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time. Be great, while it? they're chucking up, while they're chucking chucking up athletes. So like, imagine how confused proper sevens teams would be. Yeah, they would up and did that. Uh, yeah. The Fijians wouldn't know what hit them. I think they did that fairly quickly though. Yeah, Fiji seventy one. Ollie Ollie Deuces seven. Sevens, fifteens, and sevens clothing. Uh, they finished on six points, but they had absolute uh, dominance at yeah. the scrum time and one hundred percent line up ball. <laughs> great time traveling the world. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. Forever. Yeah, Gordon Bullock would be a great tourist. <laughs> oh yeah, it'd be absolute genius. That would be good, wouldn't it? To be fair, most of the crowd aren't going to care anyway. They're all shit faced. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, so. that's it. Um, and talking to shit face, we may as well bring this round to uh, round to Lions uh, tours as well. Which it's not about sevens. As it's no, it's not about sevens. <laughs> I think um, it's fair to say the IRB probably wouldn't be using us as ambassadors to grow the sevens game, but um, yeah, maybe they should. Maybe they, if they if they want the purist to buy into sevens, then I think you're just the man for it, really. I do, yeah. yeah. I, I will take a job from World Rugby if they're listening. Uh, look at that, he won World Rugby yeah. as well. Buttering up, buttering up, Brett Gosper. Yeah, all right. For the record, Ollie will take any job. <laughs> yeah, not just that construction. Anything. Yeah, he's very, very good with his yeah. hands. Um, uh, yeah, until it comes to rugby. I've always said it. Like watching you play was disappointing because all of your chat, you were surprisingly mobile hooker, yeah, which was disappointing. Yeah. Didn't like that. It was worth it just yeah. to disappoint you. Yeah, well. One of the quickest men over ten yards, <laughs> ten to fifty yeah. is less less uh, less dominant. Absolutely buggered up. <laughs> who was it who scored the try um, with the pick up at the base of a scrum, but got driven backwards? So that was, neg- with was the negative, negative yards, yards oh, over yeah. the try I line. Picked up the ball yeah. over the try. 
try line, then got forced back and still scored. The it was try. a mall that got held up over a try line, and Greg yeah. got hold of it. But someone it, it had kind of swung around a bit, so someone piled into him and actually drove him backwards. But he was sort of managed to get the ball <laughs> down yeah. going backwards, which was impressive. it was one of my best. If I'm being honest, it's, negative yards yeah. like that. I like Ollie who would take a slide in from 15 yards out and just let the floor do the rest. He's very good at that. I was going to say, did you have someone doing stats for you for your second <laughs> second 50 in Marlow Reserves team? Like, it's, it's disappointing. Very dehydrated if they uh, could read all that. <laughs> right, let's move, it, let's move it on to the Lions because there's loads of stuff I want to get through and this is one of the things that are kind of friendship of over 10 years has been forged upon is the fact that um, there is a universal hatred of one another's national sides which we park for uh, for four oh, you know once every four years um, and you and I always tend to spend most nights talking about the Lions just as a good um, it's good peacekeeping poli- it policy is, isn't it, it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to get you guys um, your thoughts on it so this series is really just all about uh, some of those favourite memories that you've got and obviously with you two being out there uh, four years ago we're going to have a chat through that as well uh, because it was a pretty eventful time for the pair of you. <laughs> Would I be right in saying that? It was quite eventful, yeah. Yeah. So um, we'll, we'll come on to that in a minute. But I want to start with asking you what your kind of earliest recollection of the Lions was. Now, again, a lot of the guys we've had on were all kind of similar ages and it's tended to be the 97 tour. Is that the same for you? Is that the first tour you really remember? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, Looking back on it, I was uh, I can remember the World Cups in England playing them further back. So I can remember being sat in our lounge in 91 and remembering the final being on and mm. crying for no reason, not really understanding what was going on. <laughs> now I can remember 95 really clearly, but when it comes to the Lions, the first memory was being at Marlow Rugby Club where we played our minis. And I can remember people watching it on a replay. And we played at the same club as Matt Dawson and he yeah. scored that try. And I remember people talking about it, but not really understanding the concept. And... By 2001, I'd clearly watched Living With Lions or had influence from yeah. Ollie because I remember going to pick up my GCSEs in my NTL um, shirt. Um, I remember, I remember you wearing that on our first day of uni, in fact. Yeah, um, and, it didn't fit and, after six months there. Like, yeah, yeah, and yeah, a couple of years into it, that was that was looking a bit snug. Yeah. I, actually, I actually played in it for my uh, first year of rugby because Ollie was the captain of the team I played for, going there, Lost Boys. Um, but he didn't organise a kit, so we just had to turn up <laughs> well, in red. Yeah, you know, uh, so I wore that for a season as well when I was playing. Pointing there, any fingers here? Right? <laughs> yeah, I would say. I would say. Not Did organise a sponsorship though? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah the gate. Yeah. Um, but no, I can remember '97 retrospectively through like the Living with Lions um, and those things. But 2001 was probably the first series I remember watching, like having it planned where we were going to watch the tests and all that. Been rewatching the Living with the Lions of late, and <laughs> just for a change. Um, but that 2001 edition is is really really interesting because ninety seven's fantastic, and it was such a good tour, and there's such good camaraderie yeah. and stuff. And 2001 is really fascinating for a different point of view because you get to see some of the split in the camp. Yeah, yeah. and you, you forget there was so much that happened on it between the Austin Healy's and the Matt Dawson's and Graham Henry not really having a handle on the tour at all. Um, even though he was a very good coach, he didn't really get the lines yeah. did he, in, that, in that essence. And I think you, you think about the bod try and, and the tests and that just how strong they were, but I always go back to that game against the Brumbies mm. where there was just so much going on. You had Austin Healy single-handedly like getting us into into trouble Justin Harrison and getting us out of it and playing one of the best games I've ever seen him play yeah. got the Matt Dawson you know get him off Rog to kick Rog to kick yeah. get the message on yeah. get the message on Rog to kick Rog to kick and him just ignoring him and having the balls to stick it over um, with everything that went on that week and let's face it he wasn't particularly good that week with what mm. he said um, and then uh, yeah no it was it was a genuinely amazing amazing 
uh, it was an amazing series that kind of all changed around that Richard Hill concussion. So yeah, he played yeah. one and a half tests of just being incredible, and that first test was like dreamland. We were in Portugal, weren't we? Yeah, it was amazing uh, watching out there, watching with our family. White shirt, green shirt, red shirt, obviously. That's where that started. Yeah. Um, you know, make sure we've got each of the colours. And just watching that first was like absolute dream world. I remember Scott Quinnell going over with a smile yeah, as well. And yeah. then, um, yeah, kind of going downhill from there. And what about you? Earliest Lions memory? Obviously, you're a bit bit older than us. Yeah. <laughs> look, look a bit older yeah, as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Were you actually on the 83 look, tour? Long, or? <laughs> longer in the tooth, yeah. Born in the 83. Um, yeah, no, it's kind of just echoing what Greg said there. I can remember the early World Cups. Well, for whatever reason, I don't really have any recollection mm. of the 93 tour when it actually happened. So, yeah, 97 was the first big one with everything that was kind of going on um, with that and down the club, like I said, with our home clubs linked with Matt Dawson. Um, but that, you spoke there about the Living With Lions DVD. I, I think that's what really ingrained it in my memory, though, is just... Um, sort of growing up and playing games and stuff, quite often before big club games or like school games or something, I'd sit down and watch the VHS as it was back then. Um, with I've, great... w- I've watched that, very. your very copy yeah, of that many have, times. Yeah, Because yeah. um, it's funny, you sort of think about it, and back then there wasn't, um, there was a lot less rugby and stuff on TV yeah. back then. And so one of the only reference points you really had if you wanted to watch anything or try and learn anything or anything like that was that DVD. So it was incredible, actually, just getting to watch all your heroes because you just never got, got to see anything. Like, the, what what do they talk about in the change room before a game and all, all of that sort of stuff. So, And you, um, just, you just don't get it in any other sport and no, you don't get no. it to the same extent now in rugby because no. it's such a much bigger professionalised outfit. But yeah. it, it kind of humanised the way they were because there were so many points of it that you kind of always dream that your professionals or heroes will be like the kind of like amateur days of going mm. out and getting pissed and kind of enjoying it and then all the dramas around like the injuries like the footage on like Will what happened to Will Greenwood like was, was yeah. like shocking and yeah. it was like I can't believe we're actually watching this and then right down to do you remember Doddy Weir with his knee like the heartache of watching him yeah. be told and you having the privilege to watch him being told in a moment which you just wouldn't get yeah. something something I asked on um, on the, the previous time we did this was kind of most heartbreaking moment as a Lions fan and that actually the boys couldn't be asked asking me what mine was <laughs> but that actually was mine yeah, it was, and it? I think it's you know because obviously there's there's been some agonising losses on the pitch but you're right. That moment in time, you're yeah. watching a player be told that his tour's over, and you know at the well, age he was massive six foot six or whatever he was, Scottish bloke, and he goes, "Will it not just heal in time?" Yeah. And you're like, "No, Doddy, your knee's yeah. completely shot. You're going home." It's and it's just you can see him obviously in that moment. And it's just like that's it. It's and his like, reaction as a tourist as well to say, "Well, I've had a great time. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's been an amazing experience. Yeah, exactly. yeah it's and a real, um, yeah. a real moment." And watching James Robson have to deliver those like that bad news and how yeah. hard he takes it as well as the doctor and how like personally yeah, he takes yeah. it. It's amazing. And it was such a malicious um, yeah, a malicious yeah. kick to his knee as well, which made it infuriating even now to watch back. Because yeah. Howley get Howley gets injured, I think, on ninety seven and oh one. He does, yeah. Rib, does he? He, he plays a test in oh one. Is it does the oh one one again talking of yeah. the, the doc where you see him and he actually starts crying as well, I think, because he's yeah. so Heartbroken for Howley because he was yeah. playing so well and stuff that even he's like in bits and you just and that's like you're saying you just don't get to see that do you just sort of that level of and those characters insight. behind the scene that you get to know really well you know the James yeah. Robsons and in later ones the Paul Stridgens Bobby yeah, and, that, yeah. and those kind of Rala. things 
yeah. Raller, yeah. We met Raller in 2013, yeah. and he's exactly as you see him on the uh, on the DVD and stuff. Down he's to great, one great. cigarette a day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think those those things are all um, are all really kind of interesting parts yeah. of it as well. What about let's stick on the the kind of the heartbreak for a moment, Ollie? Yeah. Have you got a particular moment that stands out as being the hardest one to take as a Lions fan? Um. God, oh, that's a good question. Um, just while there's a, a momentary silence, Dave, I, I'm thinking Dolly Weir might be our third lock. Yeah, oh yeah, the seventh one. Yeah, great tourist as well. I'm probably going to go because I was there. It was the first Lions Test match I've ever been at. It was the Bob moment in '05. Yeah, because being sat in the crowd as well, you don't quite realise what's going on mm-hmm. at the time. It takes a little while for the news to sort of filter around the crowd and stuff, and you're just like well, we've come all this way and he's gone down now. And then obviously like the, the test series, well, that test and then the test series in general it's got sort of worse and worse, just got it? worse and worse. And you're just like, oh, this is awful. But it's just like, obviously we were about to go back to New Zealand and stuff like stuff like that. But it's just like when you're going and touring somewhere like that, the last thing you need is your captain and your star player getting taken out. With like two minutes, whatever it was. With New Zealand, because I've heard a few people who've been on tours over there say actually... It is a much tougher place to go as a fan mm. because of a number of reasons. Well, I mean, one, it's the country isn't as easily set up for, for travelling around in the same way that Australia and South Africa are, but also because there's kind of almost no escape from the rugby because they live it and breathe it and it's such a small country. Did you find that at all? Or Yeah, it's, it's, it is completely different to having been over to Australia last time around. They, um, like I said, it's just such a small country and it is it's their thing rugby that's what they do and it's about all that they kind of do mm. sort of sporting wise over there obviously um so yeah everybody wants to talk about it it's they don't get a lot of big events just generally happening so when you turn up with 25 30,000 people to come and watch a game a, a games of rugby and stuff over there it's huge i mean i remember just driving back up from wellington up to auckland in between the second and third tests and I wish I could remember what the name of the little village was, but we just drove through the kind of this little town and stuff. And you get huge processions and sort of convoys, really, of, of camper vans going around because it's the easiest way to get round and obviously you've got somewhere to sort of stay whilst you're doing it. And a whole school had come out and we just stood lining either side of the road. as we And we were just driving through. We were just passing through. We weren't stopping. And the entire school came out and they all stood there performing the hacker as we drove, just drove through the main road in town. And you're like what on earth's going on it's just like you'd never get that anywhere else so it's like yeah it's it's massive there's no no mistaking it over there and so yeah you also went out on the on the 2013 tour to australia again which is a very different um very different vibe um as i kind of alluded to earlier on pretty eventful trip for for you lads and in particular for you greg so I guess you know it's about to talk about difficult Lions moments as well this was um, my personal hardest Lions moment um, uh, definitely so we we flew over and we got to the Brisbane game about 24 hours before it so it was a bit of a whirlwind yeah. going up there and then we flew down to Melbourne after the game obviously fantastic game and then we had a midweek game on the Tuesday or Wednesday and we were playing the Melbourne Rebels so we went out to watch that we had tickets it was a really uh, mundane game that we won 35-0 not much happened um, interestingly though the Rebels were captained by a Welsh, a Welsh Gareth man. Delve yeah it was indeed so he was representing uh, for you guys 
um, and it was pretty bog standard. But we had managed to sneak in about a litre of gin um, and tonic, <laughs> which we sat at the back of um, Amia Park and drank. Anyway, after the game, we we went out and we kept going back to this place where. Tommy Bowen and Sean O'Brien would always go for a couple of drinks after and meet their like family and because they were there there was lots of Lions supporters and I think we weren't even planning a that heavy a night um, by about 10 we had Warren Gatlin and Bobby and the other coaching staff come in and so we're having some drinks with those guys and it was all all very good and like, like good fun and then um, I want to say around 3am I'm looking at Ollie for a uh, time check but that makes sense based on the newspaper <laughs> yeah good, good luck with that yeah um, we all decided to go and get some food at KFC. Um, however, the queue was too long um, and, you know, I'm not willing to wait. So I jumped into Australia's very own Burger King called Hungry Jack's. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was in there queuing, um, everyone else filed out and it kind of left me in there on my own with Curtly Bill and James O'Connor. Now, this was what, four or five days after Curtly had slipped and missed the yeah. kick. And so I did what any fan kind of can do in that situation. I ordered my food. Um, we stood there waiting and I kind of said to him I'm oh, really unlucky you played really well because you forget in that game although it was an amazing win for us they were down to they had Michael Hooper playing 13 for mm. him. I mean had everyone injured and you know he missed that kick because he slipped um, which is obviously unfortunate so we're there chatting away um, get our food we all had double whoppers um, and um, so I ordered the same obviously standard professional rugby player like me yeah um, and then I'm asked for a picture. So I take a picture, they take a picture of me. And um, So he asked you for a picture? Yeah, obviously, right, yeah. yeah. I took a picture of those guys and um, <laughs> I put it onto Facebook. And so the next morning we wake up um, about um, eight, nine, and there's a lot of missed calls. And it's one of those situations where you're a little bit hungover, you've seen all those calls, you get a little bit anxious that something's yeah. happened back home, basically. The fear. Yeah. The fear. Um, and it's loads of calls coming through from people. And um, one of which is um, a friend of ours who we used to play rugby with. He works for Daily Mail. His friend's on Facebook who's um, put this on the Daily Mail. And it's gone to their front page for Daily Mail, um, which I later find out is the third most visited uh, website in the UK. So he's just taking the Facebook photo... Yeah, and, and, and put and, it on, and then it's on Facebook, and people are tagging me in it. So it's quite innocuously done in terms of putting it on, but then it's created a bit of a media storm because it was uploaded at, I can't remember the time now, 4 a.m., and I'm yeah. in there with them. So they were, I guess this the angle was there's two players who are going to play at the weekend, both yeah. starting, who are out doing ridiculous stuff, eating a Burger King at like 4 in the morning. And two Wednesday. players who'd had previous in terms of their professionalism being questioned yeah they're both they're who's both, in and partying I think Jay, James O'Connor's been what, thrown off a flight before for yeah. drinking too much Curtly's had a few things against him albeit he plays a wasps now so yeah. he's, he's untouchable for that reason for us um, and yeah they, they were out late on that game and they were perfectly courteous and there was nothing nefarious going on they were just waiting for food but it brings to the question why are you waiting for a Burger King anyway you think this would die down but it doesn't the queue was too big at KFC they'd probably have the same problem <laughs> exactly right? yeah and I didn't actually get any KFC off the boys in the end so that was actually Bobby, plan. we were literally in the queue with so, yeah. so so yeah so Bobby's uh, Bobby's been smashing <laughs> up with the boys but he wasn't playing Saturday at least yeah. Um, so yeah we, we go back and anyway this builds and builds and builds and then it becomes a point where um, James who we went with as well has told me to come into a lounge and it's on national TV 
um, and it's been shown as the lead story on the and sport. it's your face yes right? yeah. and you know like I'm an, a generic a generic fan but I'm, I'm not unrecognisable yeah you look like a Lego man is the, is the thing this kind <laughs> yeah. of box head and I'm the square sort, body sort of idiot would get myself in these situations some might say as well so at this point you've got to remember that it's very it's very early in Australia the UK people haven't woken up mm. So what was happening was you were getting all morning getting hammered with people in Australia and then you were getting UK wake up. So yeah. I was getting like double double hit with it. Um, so we went out the next day. So obviously stayed in that day, like didn't want to see anyone. It was getting really worrying. We, we ate dinner watching the TV where I was on the news. Um, which was frightening. The next day we did a stadium tour of the MCC where they had papers so there. Good. And on the back God. page of the paper, I've actually got it over there, the Sydney Herald. And then I get a call from my mum 12 hours later from there because she's reading the Daily Mail for God know what reason, but she does. And I'm in there. So I've made it over to the UK papers. So therefore picked it up and run with it. And while it wasn't a big story in terms of, it shouldn't have been a big story for Australia because rugby union is not a big sport. It was yeah. because of the guys and because of the And it was the Lions tour as well. Yeah. It was the Lions, so it was big over here. So it racked up a lot of views. Um, I obviously was uh, pretty pretty pissed off with it um, getting out there, and I was told just to wait and relax, and it will go away, which it did. And really, by the test, the real concern was would it affect them being picked and selected? Because um, the RFU, uh, the AFU, sorry, Australian had to uh, Australian Rugby Federation or whatever they're called had to obviously investigate it. Yeah. Um, but it all was fine. They all started. They actually won the game quite convincingly. Yeah. We were pretty poor in the second test and. Um, by the end of it, I could start to see the funny side, and we kept the clippings. Um, and I, apart from some of the abuse I got in terms of comments, it was yeah. uh, it was I can look back now. Will Carling, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll, I mean, we'll, we'll lighten the mood a bit at this point and say because what was it? Will Carling described you as on social media? Um, he took a pop at my weight. Um, <laughs> I've got a BMI. at the time. I had a BMI of about thirty two, so that, that might be fair. But he called me a uh, fat. Um, I think he called me a. F- Fat loser or fat bastard, yeah. like ruining the game, um, which is ironic. But that was, he's a that guy was who hates the Lions. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And also another man who had negative negative yards over a try line, but he yeah. didn't manage to score on that occasion. So you, you got one over on him there. Yeah. Um, but that was very much the spin over here and on social media because obviously I remember it happening at mm. the time. The spin was that oh yeah, kind of opportunistic Lions fan yeah. out to stitch up. Yeah out to stitch up Wallabies or worse still was oh yeah he's obviously been paid he's obviously been paid money to do this what what I found quite interesting about the whole experience was an insight into how newspapers and journalists work um, so there were a fair amount of offers to tell the story there was a fair amount of um, a fair amount of emails from various people wanting me to say certain stuff about it um, so I tried to take the prison mentality of just shutting up and doing your time and just mm. not saying anything, which is what we did. And then it does go away. But there was a lot of conversation around, you know, like, were they drunk? Mm. Can you prove they were drunk? It's like, look, I'm hammered at four in the morning. I'm a fan. I've gone up to them. They've been perfectly courteous. They've taken a picture. We've had a lovely chat. There, there was no story. Like, that was it. So I felt, like, hugely guilty about it because you don't really – they were perfectly courteous to us. Um, so I think that's and the not thing. skies really they didn't have to take the time yeah. they could have just told me to fuck off and they didn't they actually took the time and then it comes out so um, yeah it was uh, it was interesting watching how all the papers did it and then them just also like the uh, them everyone running it and not really talking about image rights so it was my picture yeah people just run it and it was quite interesting learning about that and how that, all that works they probably presumed it was there, there was a load of people at 
Rob Key, the former England cricketer. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, yeah he, he'd had yeah. a load of requests. He's like, I'm not even in Australia. <laughs> they they presumed about. you were him, yeah. And also James Corden. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, yeah, like he, he had just got big with Gavin and Stacey, so was it him or yeah. not? So, yeah, it was a pretty innocuous event that became quite big. It was relatively funny by the third test because we were meeting up with all uh, some of our friends in Australia, and I was that guy, obviously. Um, and uh, it was fun. But I remember being at the MCC. Picking up a paper, just wanted some downtime, and my yeah. mugshot being on it, and that was particularly bad. Um, but by I the had s- a good laugh at it. Though, so. well, yeah, that was all right for yeah, you, though. Yeah, was it? Fine, yeah. 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 Enjoying it. Yeah. Where did you first see it? When was uh, it? I saw it possibly that Will Carling <laughs> comment, I think, um, <laughs> or was it? You know, it certainly wasn't long after having first seen it. Um, it was definitely social media that that I saw it, but it was someone. I think one of your Facebook mates, presumably, who had put the the link to the Daily Mail article mm. on there. And at that point, I realised it was big. I was like, bloody hell. This yeah. Is, you know, because you know, obviously working in the industry as well, I know how big that website is. And for them to be, for them to be running it, you thought, oh, right, yeah. this, this will have gathered a bit of coverage over here. S- slow news day. Um, so my plan is now to, uh, to uh, avoid him for the rest of my life. And when I do bump into him at one place, apologise. Um, and they've both come over and, uh, both come over and played over <coughs> here. Um, and actually, to be fair to Kurt, he stayed out of trouble since mm. I don't think James has. Um, but yeah, couldn't believe how small they were as well. If you yeah. actually look at the picture, yeah, small guys, like normal sized human beings, because you always expect. I'll, st- I'll stick the um, I'll stick the picture up on our Twitter feed. So that's another reason for people to follow. I won't. Right? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm you can still Google it. Just Google "fat bastard <laughs> hungry jacks" and you'll be able to find it. Don't worry, I mean, it's still there. So yeah, no, I, it was an interesting time. Um, and it was just funny. I mean, it was a weird week that Melbourne week. It was it's kind of settled down, and then we moved to Sydney and. You kind of lose track, don't you? Because it starts with loads yeah. of pace, the Lions talk, because you're jet-lagged, there's loads going on the first test, and then the games dissipate, and you get more and more time, it becomes more like a holiday. And I think what Ollie was alluding to there, like a lot of the Australian people didn't know what was going on. Yeah. You know, you're having to explain to them why you were wearing a shirt and what you're doing there. Um, and it was during State of Origin as well, right? Yeah. So you're actually entranced yeah. by a bigger game. It definitely you grows know? over there, and I think it obviously probably helped the way the... Um, the series went was just the fact that it went to a decider. It was one all, and then it, it you know it starts to really kind of build up. But yeah, as Greg said, it's when we got out there. I remember we were sat in a sat in a cafe, you know, like morning of the first test. You don't really know what to do with yourself. I was going to get some breakfast and stuff, and you're reading the ro- local papers and stuff to see what's going on. And you had to get, you had to go about six or seven pages in before you got any coverage to the sport before you got any coverage of the lines and stuff like that. Like there's all state of origin and stuff going on out there. So. Yeah. Well, no, it's obviously a very interesting uh, and eventful tour and appreciate you talking about that, Greg. On the other hand, there were some, some really good high points out there as well. And before we get on to kind of the, um, the rugby, the other thing I wanted to touch upon was uh, you'd done some coaching prior to that and Christian Wade was in, what, the school team that you were coaching at that point? Yeah, so I coached uh, RGS High Wycombe um, in the under-16s there with uh, one of my friends who invited me along, and Christian was uh, one of the players, and you could see from kind of day one what exceptional talent he was. He, w- he worked very, very hard for it. They were convinced they wanted to try and turn him into a scrum half, which was the wrong thing to do, mm. um, and he, he kind of stuck it out. Um, he was had to choose whether he was going to be a sprinter or whether he was going to go into rugby as well but he stuck to it he worked he trained extremely hard a really courteous chap and then on, on that tour he gets his first and only cap unbelievably uh, for England in Argentina it's amazing he still hasn't got more um, apart from the bar bar games and um, yeah he made it over he got the call up um, 
which was fantastic. And then we got to see him between the second and third tests. So uh, in Sydney, he was in the bar and we got to catch up with him, which was great. Um, it was a good, good moment for all of us. Uh, introducing him to uh, Ollie here and James, who was with us. Um, not so good time for my mate Dave, little Dave, oh, yeah. um, because his uh, fiance got sidebarred by Rob Kearney. And it was quite difficult uh, <laughs> trying to drag him away from her. From her, he really? locked in in a locked good in. way. Yeah, yeah, was having a nice chat with her. And Dave was getting more and more anxious about it. I mean, but, he's yeah. he's, a, he's a good looking guy, Rob Carter, yeah. as well. Isn't he? He's got some chat yeah. on him, and it was, it was and he's a professional rugby player. <laughs> yeah, and it was interesting listening to him because obviously he's a new generation rugby player. Um, like, and obviously had an amazing time there. And just watching like just watching him like interact with like Paul O'Connell and some of the other players, it was amazing how well they all get on and how he, yeah. he was like loving it learning loads um and seem to be really enjoying it um and it is just it's a bit of a shame kind of in hindsight you would have put money on the fact by now he would have had 20 25 caps at least he had a few injuries but he, he's never quite broken through since but he's kind of almost like that perfect perfect player for a tour like that if you're looking for something to happen but yeah. um yeah great experience for him and good to see him and he's a yeah, good, good guy i think that's another thing with the lines isn't it is the status that it holds in this country is that if someone from a you know from a school you've been involved with goes on it has real ramifications at the school as well it's a real kind of badge of honour for you know for the school I think and I I think that's again just testament to what a big status it has in this country like like we were saying like sort of growing up it's sort of the more you look back on it the more you realise sort of it's amazing sort of just to play at your local little club and have someone like Matt Dawson's Lions test shirt from 97 up on the wall though it's just like it's you know that's someone who grew up playing on the yeah. same bit of grass you're mucking about on as a sort of eight nine year old learning the game and stuff like that and it's yeah to have that that link all the way up to what is the sort of pinnacle for british and irish rugby is huge i think yeah no absolutely i think that's the that's the thing is it is like you say that bit of grass that that kind of links you all that yeah. it should be you know if someone watching or playing mini rugby at the moment and has that kind of yeah. figure that they look up to and it inspires them to go on and play rugby, then that's that's what it's all about. Absolutely. All right, cool. Well, just to, to bring this to uh, bring this to a conclusion, um, we'll, we'll kind of bring it back to much uh, much happier thoughts. If you can narrow it down to one Lions memory that is your outstanding thing, and again, this could just be something that's personal to you. It doesn't have to be the, the one with the biggest significance. It's what would be that that one kind of most cherished Lions memory um, I'll get the things I suspect we're both going to go yeah. through but my single favourite moment watching rugby ever happened on the 2013 tour was definitely George North's try yeah. that's the yeah. single best moment of rugby I've I've ever enjoyed watching live yeah I think I'll go one thing I think that's the best sports moment <clears throat> we've been lucky enough to go to a lot of stuff um and it was an amazing moment. I mean, you paid a lot of money to go out there. You don't know what's going to happen, and you you watch um, you watch Will Genya just fly up a yeah. pitch and just destroy your dreams in seconds. And then suddenly George North from nowhere kind of does that. And yeah, that was an unbelievable moment um, and a night that went on and on and on after that. <laughs> um, concluded with a load of random Lions fans eating McDonald's in our room with us. So that was amazing. The the other big one would be. Lions 2001 bods try um, yeah. we were in Portugal with a fam- with families my granddad and my uncle we all got our Lions shirts on it's very early in like in Portugal and just just his movement and just it's those sorts of moments that you think wow we've actually got a shot at this we've got a chance I was praying in that first test in 2013 because he was obviously still playing yeah. I, I really wanted him to score just so he could break out the waltzing on the yeah. again it would have been so good yeah I mean again I remember obviously I wasn't uh, wasn't out in Australia at that point but I remember watching that in a pub in Solihull 
in the Midlands and again it would have been whatever time like 10 in the morning mm. over here and it had a very very it struck a similar feeling in mm. me to that O'Driscoll try because it was just a moment of sheer brilliance yeah. that a few and far between as rugby fans you know when yeah. you get to see something like that we, we had a really funny moment actually in Australia in Brisbane um, before the first test where we were drinking in one of the main bars there and we were watching the replays of that game with Rob Henderson just in front of us. Brilliant. He had his 97 bag, didn't he? And you yeah, were he, watching, brought, he was wearing some of his kit, just the yeah. training. You yeah, were watching yeah. Rob Henderson watch himself. Self, yeah. And obviously he had an incredible yeah, game yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. You always forget like how good he was in the first set. He made loads of line breaks in that first game. That was really like weird and enjoyable watching a guy watch himself. Uh, with a beer in hand and a fag in hand, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's probably the same yeah. as 2001. Uh, watching that as well, but that was a that was an incredible moment. Um, and there's so many highs and lows between it, and so many what ifs. And I was watching 09 earlier, um, just watching Rog not kick it off the pitch, and you all, all those sorts of things can be defined into those little minutes. And I think you guys talked as well about all those players that come out of the blue from nowhere, like Ryan Jones in 05, Steve Ferris in 09. Mm. Like you get all these players come from nowhere and just make just forever kind of you have respect for them regardless of what they do. That's the beautiful thing about the Lions for me is those characters and the fact that you're allowed to like some of the players that ordinarily, if you're watching club or international rugby, you shouldn't like because you're a a Wales fan or an England fan or a Wasps fan or a Dragons fan or whatever. Um, Who are those kind of, those heroes for you that that you've seen, those players that have become your kind of Lions heroes? I was never really sold on Warburton before over 13 I like he obviously did a lot for you guys and I, I kind of watched it from afar so I, I do what I call player cammed him in that first test <laughs> you, you know when you just want to focus on if, if yeah. people are going to rave about him I'm yeah, going to watch yeah. him live I'm going to focus on him I just couldn't believe how good he was like I literally like from, from then on it was absolutely sold I mean the guy just put in a shift and Lydia to be fair um, which is utterly incredible so he, he was definitely kind of thrown up there um, in terms of the yeah, the 2013 tour what about you all? Um yeah well, I've spoken about that Warburton moment I think we, we've all spoken yeah, about it now it's yeah, incredible it's, yeah. um, I was going to pick someone a bit more random like you said what's Good. great about the, the the Lions tours are like you said it's the the characters and sort of people you don't expect that suddenly become integral to the tour for various bits and um because of the love of that living with lions video and stuff, um, I'm going to pick John Bentley because yeah. he just seems like such a brilliant character and he's such a great player. Um, and I don't think he even played that many times for England post that tour. So he's one of those people you might never have really heard about or remembered. I'm, I'm fairly and it's certain not been for that. I'm fairly certain tour. we googled this after a night out. Yeah. And he had like two caps for England in total yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, just some of the moments and stuff in there. And I remember being stood in um, a bar after the. Um, the third test in New Zealand on that 05 tour. And um, <laughs> they, uh, we were still talking with these other guys, and there was a group of guys stood next to us. And um, the bar was absolutely packed and stuff, but a, a group of girls came in through the door, one of whom was sort of carrying a little bit of extra weight and stuff. And one of the guys from the group stood right next to me, we were sort of practically touching it, that just turns around, taps me on the shoulder and goes, there's one for the front five, boys. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. quotes like that from Bentley and stuff like that that are still getting kind of regurgitated yeah. and things like that just because of stuff like that. It's just brilliant. Exactly, 20 years later. Yeah. <laughs> and he also, it was, that, it was that moment he had in that game where we had lost... Uh, we lost in 97 and they had the midweek massive come back and win it and it was like tours back on boys and all yeah. that, yeah. that kind of just 
typified what it's like when you've had a shit game in rugby. You need to get things back on and people step up. And he was he was absolutely amazing, um, absolutely amazing. There. You've also got to look at like if you look at Matt Dawson, he's a local boy, but like people that just take their chances when they're given mm. them. Like Ryan Jones was a great example in 05. Like everyone was folding under the pressure. He just refused to. Yeah. Just, just stepped it up and just took it to kind of a different level. And you kind of see a lot of those players kind of come through um, and mm. do that. Like same with Jonathan Davis, you could argue in like 2013, you know, there's a lot of pressure under him and that third test. Getting the third shirt. Sure, yeah. And yeah, he did it, right? And um Stephen Jones, Jesus, Stephen Jones in 09, having the yeah. bottle to kick that kick in the in seventy fourth minute in the second test. I never would have put money on him doing that. Yeah, and he did he had a phenomenal test yeah. that day as well, because he had that little pass out the back yeah. to say yeah. was it Carney he set yeah. up for that try as well. But yeah, no, I think that's the again, that's part of the beauty of it, is these players that you you go, okay, I get it now. So uh, probably not Clive Woodward in '83. I'll probably say that for a record. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think he was fine in '83. I think post 2005, <laughs> not people saying it was his uh, favourite um, favourite Lions hero. But uh, you know, I suppose there were some good things about that tour. You know, you had a good time out there, did, and, yeah, yeah. and we got the Power of Four anthem, which yeah. I know we've all exactly um, yeah. symbolises us in a lot of ways. Exactly, I've got a tag, I've got the words tattooed on my left bum cheek, so uh, just um, <laughs> just so you can never forget it. Boys, been a pleasure chatting to you. Thanks very much for uh, for coming on. And, uh, welcome. Yeah, I dare say we'll grab a few beers as the uh, as the tour progresses. And thank you for listening. So, if you want to get in touch with us, let us know some of your favourite Lions memories and favourite Lions heroes. You can do so on Twitter at Attacking Scrum, or you can have a look for us on Facebook uh, just by searching the Attacking Scrum. And most importantly, if you've enjoyed this, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. And uh, yeah, it's a fairly straightforward process to do that. And if you want to hear more from us, subscribe on iTunes as well, and you'll get this direct to your phone or however you choose to listen Uh, we'll be back with loads more of these before the tour begins thanks for listening Network.